All right, and welcome back to another episode of the Vet, the Bet, the Casual. This is the midweek midweek edition. Since we do have a Wednesday card, thank you Abu Dhabi for that. Make sure you hit that subscribe button, hit that bell button. Our Instagram, Twitter, all that information is there. Give us a follow. And how are you feeling, Siraj? Pretty good, man. I mean, can't complain about UFC taking a hiatus and coming back like that. I'm, I'm such a fan of anticipation, you know? It's one of those things that I might have a little bit of discipline in, you know? It's like having a nice big piece <laughs> of like, you know, meat in front of you and just waiting and waiting and waiting to take a bite. <laughs> for me, Christmas came on December 25th. It seems for you, it came mid January <laughs> for sure. So true. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we, we got a nice Fight Island 7 coming up this Saturday and next Wednesday is what we'll be previewing today. It's Fight Island 8. Another great card for a midweek, uh, midweek bout here. I'm pretty pumped about it. Anything you want to touch on before we jump into it? Yeah, like Pius mentioned, if you haven't checked it out already, by all means, please go check out our preview of the card coming up this Saturday. Max Holliver versus Calvin Cater. It's going to be an amazing card. So many great fights. Uh, we preview every single fight, you know, and I think we had some great fun with it. I absolutely smashed the lines. Like, I don't think I've ever been that consistent. Right, Pius? <laughs> yeah, that, that was definitely the best effort you put forward thus far. So hopefully that can continue. And like you said, man, great fights this Saturday. Looking forward to seeing Joaquin Buckley in action, many <laughs> more. So, you know, tune in for that one and let, let's get going on UFC Fight Island 8 here. If I ever had, if I had yes. a nickel for every time Pi said uh, Joaquin Buckley, you know, a nickel for every time he said that, whoo, rich man. <laughs> well, hopefully he keeps it going this Saturday so you can get richer and richer and <laughs> richer. All right. So first up, we got a women's bout. We got a women's flyaway bout between Victoria Leonardo, which obviously I love that name because of Ninja Turtles. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> on the flip side, we got Men in Fiore. So, you know, Victoria, she comes in with an eight and two record. Uh, she did make her UFC, she's making, sorry, her UFC debut in this one. So kicking off the prelims, she's going to be making her UFC debut after winning her Dana White contender series against Chelsea. Hatton. Correct. Correct. Uh, Manon, she comes in with a five and one record, but is also making her UFC debut in this one. So both these girls are going to have, you know, a real chip on their shoulder, trying to make a name for themselves in the UFC. Uh, she lost her very first fight back in 2018 and has been undefeated since in, you know, her various leagues. So Rocking that five and one record, five straight wins, and you know, looking forward to seeing what these two ladies have to bring. Yeah, so the first thing I'm gonna preemptively say about this entire card, I mean, for how much you know, luck and knowledge or whatever you want to call it, I had for the previous card, my word, this one could go in the absolute opposite direction. I'm Honestly, gonna... and the lines are all over the place, so I'm not expecting that same performance. Don't you worry, man. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, like, it's crazy how many I think are close, which might even make you laugh right now. But uh, <laughs> let, let's get this started, right? So we got Victoria Leonardo. Let's start with her, right? Putting together a great record overall. I think this fight kind of showcases two great things about, you know, fighters overall. You got the European fighter making her name, you know, out there with uh, good size, Southpaw. I love the way she strikes. She changes levels well. She ended up becoming the flyweight champion for the UAE Warriors promotion. She's been destroying it over there. But then you have to compare that to kind of, you know, Leonardo fighting with Invicta. Her only major losses to Aaron Blanchfield, who I can guarantee is going to be in the UFC very, very soon. The girl's an absolute beast. She's 21 years old. Quite possibly one of the biggest UFC prospects out there. I'm just going to say women's right. women's MMA in general. Yeah. And I think Leonardo's going to be able to follow that up with, you know, two great wins. She just did maybe put together a nice little win here too. This could put her in the UFC map uh, a little bit better than she thought. Mm-hmm. For sure. And so, you know, jumping right into the lines there, where, where do you kind of see this one landing? closer than you thought what do you got here for me yeah so i mean the big thing for me is i think it's going to be tough for leonardo to keep the fight standing but i still think it's going to be really close you know that invicta record losing to someone like aaron blanchfield i think people are going to put a lot more emphasis onto that so i don't think she's going to be a huge favorite but i'm going to give leonardo the favorite by minus 150 line wow okay well then let's uh, start out with the shock factor immediately <laughs> okay <So>, fiore <laughs> is actually the favorite Mm -hmm. And she comes in at about a minus 160. That's what it originally opened at. I'm looking now. Okay. And the live line is also minus 160. That's just a little ops. I mean, to be honest with you, like these are a lot of these fights to me were borderline pickums. I'm going to say that when you watch Fiore fight, a really 
avoids takedowns well. I'm just trying to figure out if she can do that against some of the competition we see over here. But if she can avoid those takedowns, I mean, great jab for that southpaw stance. I think she's really been able to open up previous fighters. And if she finds success with the striking early, that could be devastating. So, you know, the line doesn't shock me that mm -hmm. much. Yeah, for sure. So stay tuned for our pick for that one. But it's going to be a, a tough one to call for sure. Most definitely. And I, and I like that Fiora is getting that, that, that line. I love it. And so up next, we have a nice bantamweight bout that is very anticipated. We've been looking to see this one for a few times now and <laughs> just cancellations happen. But we got a couple of Russian prospects in Sergei Morozov taking on, dare I say, Khabib's cousin. <laughs> yes, that is the Khabib's cousin. Cousin brother, if you, right, want to, if you want to be, uh, you know, we, we got a few cousin brothers, I'm sure, too. Specific about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Umar Nurmagadov is also making his UFC debut this Saturday, or sorry, next Wednesday. Um, and so, yeah, you know, Umar comes in, you know, 12-0 and 0 record, just obliterated anyone who's been in his path so far. Um, you know, he has had some canceled fights that we've really been looking forward to. Nathaniel Wood was supposed to take place early in 2020, then uh, Hunter Azure, and then twice with Sergei Moraza. So, you know, I, I believe the last time he fell down with an illness. So really looking forward to this one now. Hopefully it does take place finally next Wednesday. Mm -hmm. Also for Morozov, we have the UFC debut. He has a 16-3-1 record, no slouch either. Um, and, you know, given their respective mutual leagues uh, and the way that Umar has kind of dominated just through his leagues, this one's going to be a tough one for him. What is UC1 kind of breaking this one down? Yeah, so it, it kind of sucks, right, that we didn't get to see uh, Umar fight last year. He's such a massive prospect mm -hmm. and he could have made his, his, his debut in 2012, but he had three canceled fights, right? So he's definitely considered the real deal. I watched this entire fight against Brian Gonzalez with Grill FC, which is the promotion that could be bought that he's going to be changing to Eagle FC very shortly. Uh, and I mean, obviously we love what we saw, right? He, he, he works his way in with the strikes. He's actually a really good striker. And he just worked that ground. You know, you, I can watch that for hours, man. I can watch a Nurmagomedov, you know, wrestle for an absolute long. I mean, I can watch him wrestle Bears for hours and hours. It was absolutely a clinic. Um, you could, it was kind of nice, you know, seeing Khabib's father, Khabib's cousin in the crowd, Khabib in the corner, cornering Omar for the fight. You That's know. dope. Yeah, it was such a nice little experience. The, the quartermen were- Honestly, what di what disappointed me about that fight being canceled <laughs> so much is that it was on UFC 256, like to see both, you know, Nurmagomedov's in there and having Khabib in his corner well early in the prelims and then get ready mm -hmm. for his fight against Gaethje, it would have been so dope. Mm -hmm. So he was like severely sick, I take him to the hospital, I believe. So, you know, it, it's one of those things where we it's a highly anticipated fight. We just talked about anticipation, right? I can't wait. Yum, 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 yum. <laughs> and so let's talk about Mor Morozov a little bit. You know, the last loss he had was to my dude, Mavsar Vilov. I feel like we talked about him so much together, right? And funny enough, I don't know, I'm not sure if, if you've heard that, but Nick Lentz actually ended up getting a fight next week against him. I feel like Evolve was willing to take on any fight possible. The wow. guy's an absolute monster. Uh, but let's get back to Morozov, right? He's an M1 legend. He was actually entering the UFC defending the championship. So, you know, of his three losses, one of them was to a guy by the name of uh, Reddinghouse, who we actually lost to back when he was younger in 2016 and beat him in 2019 for, you know, uh, title uh, defense. So, you know, hmm. he looks really good as a striker. I think that's going to be kind of the MO, right? He looks good as a striker. I don't want to call this fight a, a feeder fight by any means because he, I don't know, I, I felt like he might be able to stand up in terms of overall MMA at the level that he's about to jump in. But let's be real. Uh, I, I saw him strike for the most part and, and he looked great, but this is going to be far from a, a pure striking battle. Yeah, th this is going to be a tough one. So let's jump right into the lines here. What do you got here? And the one piece of advice I'm going to have for you is don't hold back, my friend. It's funny, you know, I'm looking at the line that I have and it's an absolute joke. I might not even reveal it. I think huh? I'm gonna I'm gonna bump that up by X number of points and just go with a shot in the dark, a, a minus six fifty. <laughs> okay, you might have overshot it a little bit, but uh, you're definitely in the right range when we're reaching those levels. So mm -hmm. he is a minus five hundred favorite. Oh wow, okay. Uh, yeah. It is still a minus five hundred favorite. So you're getting plus three eighty on Morozov <laughs> here. Um, <laughs> Man, I don't see there's a way that we fade Nurmagomedov here. Uh, this is, the, there's just zero chance. I mean, that's the thing, right? A lot of these M1 guys are coming in as great strikers. And, and a big part of that is 
slightly you know erratic slightly uh, elusive in some positive ways but at the same time i think it opens them up to a lot of uh, uh, bad opportunities and i think omar is going to be absolutely looking for every opportunity to land some strikes and take him down and yeah, the rest is history I, I, yeah i agree so you know the method outcome round betting none of that stuff is out yet but i'm sure we'll be glancing at maybe a nirmagada finish here uh mm -hmm. stay tuned for that one but we'll, closer to the fight we'll be posting some stuff but regarding that one most definitely keep looking all right so up next we got a nice lightweight bout a couple nice prospects in the ufc just making their name we got uh, mike davis against mason jones or as i like to coin this fight mike jones mike jones <laughs> so you know we got mike davis he's coming in with an eight and two record he's one and one in the ufc he lost his debut to gilbert burns a few years back or yeah in 2019 and then he did bounce back late with a late knockout of Thomas Gilbert last year. Uh, we were actually supposed to see him fight twice last year against our boy Giga, but that never happened. So, you know, we'll be looking forward to this one. Mason Jones, you know, he has a, a perfect 10-0 record, um, mostly in the Cage Warriors League. I'm not too familiar with that league, but it seems like that's where most of his fights have come in. And he's going to be making his UFC debut on Wednesday. So I'm really pumped about this one. What'd you see here, my man? Yeah, so I actually think this is one of the more underrated fights on the card because you have two guys that are mm -hmm. really coming in. As you said, you know, they're massive prospects. Let's also talk about those different elements of prospects similar to what we saw with uh, the female fight kicking off the card, you know. Davis is 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 a bona fide prospect, right? He's training with Dustin Poirier right now who's training to fight Conor McGregor. You know, there's videos out of him in of him and uh, Dustin Poirier training with Mike Brown, you know, like this is the real uh, deal. He's, he's, he's definitely getting the good time with his coaches. We're supposed to fight our boy Giga, Giga, Giga twice. And that didn't even happen. So he should have some size advantage here. He did lose on Dana White contender series, but he actually ended up stepping up on short notice against Gilbert Burns. And I guess that's how he ended up getting his contract, you know, step into the UFC and you, and you get that opportunity, right? So I think he looks pretty good. Looks the part, that kind of thing. I think the worst thing that's going to be, you know, I guess against Jones is he's going to mix it up really well. I think in terms of level changes, throwing in those really good hooks and strikes that are going to be able to, you know, look for those opportunities to change levels. That's going to be really, really good for him. Jones is a good striker, man. He's got a chin on him. He takes a lot of damage, though. You know what I mean? He's a double champ for Cage Warriors, you know, lightweight, welterweight. So I like the pressure. I like the resilience. He can take the punch, but... You know, when I'm when I'm sizing up the technique level, I, I'm seeing that this fight can be close, but it's also that classic case of you know, is 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 the is the English fighter you know going to be able to come in and really push? I think he's Welsh. Sorry, the Welsh fighter come in and really push that pace and see if he can get that you know raw style finish or even you know push the pace for three rounds and get that win maybe with the strikes. But I I really see you know Mike Davis putting on a show here yeah and honestly your, your breakdown has me pumped for this one it's gonna be a true slobber knocker for mm -hmm. sure really looking forward to seeing these guys getting in the ring uh where do you see the line here my man yeah so i think i kind of just hinted towards who i see as the favorite i mean i'm just trying to figure out if i f see him as a massive favorite because like when i look at my line I really do think this fight is pretty close. I think that uh, our boy Mason Jones has an opportunity here to, to, to really kind of change the pace if he can keep it standing. So I'm going to go with Mike Davis, but I'm going to keep it at a minus 115, maybe minus 120, but I'll stick with the minus 115 gut. So you are right. Mike Davis is the favorite. He's a slightly higher favorite than you expect. Okay. Minus 188 is his number, and that's currently what it's sitting at as well. So it hasn't moved at all. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, minus 188, that means Mike Jones, or sorry, Mason Jones comes <laughs> in at uh, plus 162 here. Okay, so there is some value for me there on the, on, the, uh, on the dog there. I mean, Cage Warriors is definitely a great promotion, and he is the double champ of that promotion at his weight class. So uh, I would love to see what some of those look like, some of those lines look like in the next few days. But at the same time, you know, uh, I think this is going to be one of the best fights on the card regardless oh, of man. betting. Mm -hmm. Got me pumped on this one for sure. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. So up next, we got another bantamweight bout here. We got uh, Jerome Rivera coming in against the kid brother of Devison. We got Francisco Figueroa. So Jerome, the renegade Rivera, you know, he comes in with that 10 and three record. Uh, he made his UFC debut back in September after winning the Dana White Contender Series. 
He made that deb debut against Tyson Nam, I believe, and he lost that one in the second round. Uh, Tyson Nam we'll see later in the card today, I believe, or you know, mm -hmm. next Wednesday, but we'll be touching on it later today. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, he'll be looking back, he'll be looking to bounce back off of that one. Uh, Francisco, he sports an 11-3-1 record. Uh, he's making his UFC debut next Wednesday, so, you know, really excited to see what he can do, given, you know, all the hype around his brother and stuff. So, t tell me a little bit more about this one. Is, is this kid the real deal here, or what? I mean, I, I'm, I'm wondering which fighter you're talking about here first. <laughs> Definitely the kid brother. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. I he's 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 not that young for one, and he's a natural flyweight in my opinion. I, I think he's he's got some bantamweight okay. experience, but I think he's he's he seems to be the structure of a flyweight. I mean, he's gonna have a huge size, you know, disadvantage here. He is the jungle fight champion, so I, I just think that in, in this fight you're gonna see a guy, you know, Dana White contender series, a lot of heart in Jerome Rivera. I thought he you know a, a debut against a, a huge mma veteran that you know definitely had a bit of advantage on the strikes and jerome Rivera learned that you know what i mean i think when you look at his prior losses to guys like brandon royval roberto sanchez from lfa both of those guys are, are, are ufc fighters you know we haven't heard from sanchez since 2018 i believe yeah but i mean still like he, he's fought tough guys so i think this fight is mm -hmm. definitely going to be a bit you know, tougher than people think it's going to be. I think Figueroa is going to have a bit of that edge to him. He's going to have a championship corner, right? He's going to be able to use that striking speed that he's that his brother brings as well. But at the same time, you know, Rivera's not a guy to sleep on. No, no, not at all. I, I think this one's going to be a lot closer than people think. Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of lines, where do you see it landing? Yeah, I mean, with this one, I, again, I do think it's still kind of close. I, I think Figueroa is going to be able to kind of dictate a bit of pace if he has some early success with the strikes but i'm gonna go with rivera being the favorite here at minus 135. oh you were close just on the wrong man okay. so figurito is actually the favorite and right around that line it's minus 138 mm -hmm. and uh that's that's currently the live line as well mm -hmm. i would love to watch a bit more tape on him but i honestly feel like that this is a this is a really close fight regardless and these lines are showing that like i'm just trying my absolute best to kind of pick on experience here i guess but you know, I think you're seeing a bit of that uh, that Figueroa oomph there, in my opinion. I really do. For sure, you, you got to know that he's going to be a public play as well, right? And that mm -hmm. that's going to be incorporated into the line as well. Somebody sees that last name, they're taking that for sure. And that's what I'm saying. I, and here's the thing: we saw Jerome Rivera's uh, chin tested, and at the same time, like those are things we have to worry about. You know, he has lost by finish quite a bit. So these are things that we want to kind of mm -hmm. keep in mind. And I think that's where you're seeing the lines kind of effectively take take their stand, you know, but it's showing a little bit less of a close fight than I thought it would be. But at the same time, like let's watch the slide movement. I think, I think there's a chance he becomes more of a favorite. And frankly, I have no issues here kind of looking at that dog as a, as a betting sprinkling on Rivera. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I, I couldn't agree more. So stay tuned for that one, but let's uh, monitor line movement here and see where it ends up. That's your job. My guy. <laughs> All right. And so up next, we got a light heavyweight bout. I'm actually personally very excited about this one. I know we've previewed this guy a few times and just never got to see him fight. Mm -hmm. So I'm finally excited for this one. We got the South African in Dalcha Lungiambula. And he's taking on the Brazilian and Marcus Perez. So Dalcha, we've touched on a few times before. He was supposed to take on Carl Robertson a few times. And back in December was his most recent one. But alas, COVID did his thing. And uh, we were robbed of that one. So, you know, he sports a 10-2 record. 1-1 one one in the UFC. He, he did win that debut against Daquan Townsend, which is no joke. Uh, but then he did lose uh, by kicks in the third round to Magomed Ankalev. So he's going to be looking to bounce back from that one. Perez on the flip side, you know, he rocks that 12 and four record, but he's only two and four in the UFC. Uh, we saw him lose to Duplessis uh, back in October with KO in the first round. Um, but, you know, he's going to be looking to bounce back here. I think it's going to be a tough fight for him. And anytime I see this name, I got to mention it, but he also did beat high knees back in 2017, <laughs> which stood out to me. <laughs> what do you see here, my man? Yeah, so if you remember Duplace, he was one of the fights that we were heavily on. That was his debut, and he came out strong. He looked really good, like at the weigh-ins. He looked good in the fight. I mean, it was just a matter of time. It looked like a tough fight in the beginning. You know, Perez was was able to bring that veteran presence. I think he moved around the octagon really well. He likes to use his kicks. You know, he has like long, strong, powerful kicks like that. 
know, he kind of looks like Gwendolyn Silva for some reason to me, but in some ways, just face-wise, but, uh, you know, strong body kicks, that kind of thing. I think he's able to push the pace a little bit, give that, you know, very, like I said, raw, old style of fighting. But the one thing where I think Lungibal is going to have to kind of changed up a little bit is not push the pace so hard you know maybe try to be smart with that energy i think if he can do what he does for say you know maybe almost three rounds if he doesn't get that early finish or anything like that it's going to set him up well to either get the decision or even maybe get a finish late in the fight i think perez you know despite getting knocked out early against duplice he's a fairly durable fighter in some senses and i just think that if you're trying to look at gameplay and, and that kind of thing the one area where I would say is if Lungabella has the energy that he kind of brings that first round and not rush in so much and kind of push that semi-hard pace for, say, the first few rounds, but still have the energy to go hard. He's got the power. So I think as long as that technique stays there with the energy and the gas tank there, he's going to look really mm -hmm. good. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, great advice for him if he's listening. But, you know, don't blow your load in the first two minutes of this fight and you should get some success for sure. Uh, in terms of lines, who do you see as the favorite here? It's, that's the thing, right? We haven't seen this guy fight, what, since 2019? And there was three times that fights fell out when he lost. Mm -hmm. He lost to an absolute beast in Ankolev. So I, I still think this guy is the real deal. And this is a fight where he has every opportunity to win, especially based on what I said. So I do believe he is the favorite. And I'm going to go with a line of, I think I convinced myself to go a little higher. No, you know what? Original gut, minus 290. Whoo! Even that is high, my friend. Okay. Uh, he actually opened at minus 150. Uh, okay. Delta did here. Okay. And uh, live line, he's actually dropped. It's minus 138 right now. So th they're pretty much pointing this as a pick em here. Mm -hmm. And you can see, even based on my description, right? Like gameplay wise, like there's just so much opportunity there in those late rounds for press to kind of use that experience to maybe sneak something in, whether it's, you know, the last one and a half rounds uh, of points or even some kind of, you know, sneaky finish. But, you know, I'm not going to lie, Pies. I still love that line. I love it. Me too. Yeah, it, it makes me want to take Dolce right now. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 100%. It really is something uh, to, to consider. We'll be in touch. Yeah, it's, it's, especially at a minus 138. Yeah, we will definitely be in touch. <laughs> All right, and so up next, we got a little bit of international flavor here. We got a flyweight bout between Sue Maderji fighting out of China and Zaruk Adeshev. I believe that's how you say his name. Mm -hmm. He's fighting out of Uzbekistan. You know, really looking forward to this one as well. Sue, you know, we've been following him for a while. So looking forward to getting him back in the ring. He comes in with that 13 and four record. He's two and one in the UFC. He did lose his debut to Luis Smolka uh, back in 2018, but he's bounced back with consecutive victories. The most recent we saw was against Malcolm Gordon in the first round back in November. And, you know, that one really, really sold it for us for sure. <laughs> uh, on the flip side, we got Zarouk. Uh, so Zarouk has a three and two record. Uh, he's had a little bit of success in Bellator for sure, and he made his UFC debut back in June of last year. He also lost his debut to Tyson Nam, who we'll be seeing later today. And yeah, this, this is going to be a tough fight for him. What, what, what do you see breaking down here? Yeah, so like the big thing for Muderji, it's like for your UFC debut to be against a guy like Louis Smoker, like that's a big deal. You know, I this like let's be honest, big you know deal. how much I love this guy. Like this is probably my favorite UFC fighter in terms of prospect. Like I, I'm absolutely in love with the kid. Even when you look at his prior fights, you know, he's been so open about how hard he works wants to work on his grappling because he knows that it's such a major hole in his game. You know, he's proven that his striking is, is very good, you know, even for the UFC level with the way he beat Malcolm Gordon, you know, that was a fight we actually analyzed together. And, you know, it was really sad for us to go against a Canadian fighter, but you know, our boy, Sue, 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 my name is Sue, Rich, his name is Sue. And I, I just, there's a connection there and I love him, you know, and, and I'm, yeah, I'm loving everything I'm seeing, you know, there's, there's obviously a bit of a, what you would call a bias here, but in terms of what we're seeing from a UFC perspective, it's very clear. You know, the, the striking is there, the footwork is there, it, the combos are there. It's just, he really does need to kind of get that grappling going. He needs to get that cardio up to, you know, uh, higher than prospect level. You want to be a ranked fighter, you want to kind of explore those championship level type rounds and all that, you know, headline cards. That's kind of where you want to take it. When we look at Zarouk, you know, this guy's a primo striker. I think this is the UFC's version of trying to create an absolute barn burner of a fight. When you watch his highlight reel, he's, he's, he's accurate as hell. He's powerful. You know, like I said, glory kickboxer. Like these guys, these guys bring it, man. Like all three rounds, he's going to go hard. 
I think the one thing you kind of want to see is, is, is Muderji the real deal? Like if he has the opportunity to mix it up, you know, this is kind of the fight to do it. I think if you, if you have, if you have so much confidence in your striking and, and you want to practice your ground game, I mean, if you're a really confident grappler, I, I think nine times out of 10, most of these guys are taking this fight to the ground. You know what I mean? That's where I kind of, uh, yeah, I'm curious. Absolutely. I'm curious if this is just the UFC's way of just creating an absolute, you know, brawl in terms of fight, the fight making. <laughs> and, and, you know, I think we'll be able to tell within the first few minutes of this mm -hmm. fight for sure, whether, you mm -hmm. know, this really is that outclassed for sure. So, mm -hmm. you know, in terms of lines, where do you see this one kind of landing? Yeah, so for me, it's like I really fell in love with this kid in that Andre Sukhmanov fight. We got three rounds and we got to see what he could do. And finally, Malcolm Gordon put him on the map. When you look at Adeshev, you know, 3 no Bellator fighter, that's the one thing that stood out for me. I really enjoyed what I saw there. He's mm -hmm. able to do it against some of the top fighters in the world. But now the question is, like, how are these guys going to stack up footwork? I think Muderji has really good size for these lower weight classes. He fights at bantamweight and flyweight. You know, he, he really has proven his worth at both weight classes. He seems to be the real deal. And what I'm thinking about just overall skill, I still have to give this guy the edge as the favorite. Now, I think you'd be surprised at my line here, man, because if for how much heart I seem to have in this pick, I don't think my line reflects it. And maybe it needs to be higher, but final Don't hold line. back, yo. Don't hold back. Wow. I'm going to give you that advice. Don't hold back. All right. Jeez. So maybe I'll tell you my original line here. You'll know how unbiased I've started to become. But I guess I'm going to have to go with a minus 325. <laughs> you could have gotten even higher, you know. He's wow. Minus 400 favorite. Jeez. Yeah, minus 400. Jeez, jeez. Let's see you what know, that I, line. I'm... Yeah, live line looking still minus 400 plus 300 on Zarouk. You know what, man? I got to be honest with you. I, I, I believe that this is, if this is supposed to be some kind of a, a, a gimme fight for the UFC, that's okay in, in that opinion. But, like, this is a striking battle, right? If, if you're telling Zarouk, this is a puncher's chance well that's okay and that's kind of what i mean like you know it's really interesting to see this line i don't i don't disagree with it like i said like Muderji's my guy like i, I really have faith in this kid to really become yeah. something at these lower weight classes yeah man he, he's, he's already fighting in, in both weight classes at the, in, in the ufc level you want to talk about a potential double champ from tibet are you kidding me let's go <laughs> let's go everyone's gonna go crazy for that one oh. you know it's so true. So, you know, maybe calling it a little too early, but there may be a Madarji Nurmagadov uh, parlay in the works. So yeah, stay right? tuned for that one. <laughs> the boys, the boys. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And so up next, we got another bantamweight bout. It seems like they're dominating this card for sure. This one is between uh, Ricky Simon and El Tigre. I believe his name is said Guantano Perello. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Gaetano yeah. Pro, yeah. All right. And, yeah, all right. And so, you know, this fight, it was supposed to be on Fight Island 7, uh, rescheduled to Fight Island 8. So, you know, we're looking forward to this one. Ricky Simon, now that's a nice prospect. He's 16-3 and three record, 4-2 uh, and two in the UFC. We last saw him fight in May of 2020, where he beat Ray Bork by decision. Uh, he was coming off of two back-to-back -back losses against Uriah Faber and Rob Font which are obviously no joke of fights either, right? And so, you know, this is a guy, he's looking to move into that top 10 into this division for sure. Uh, on the flip side, we got El Tigre making his UFC debut on Wednesday. He has a 15-5-1 record in all kinds of European leagues. I mean, I would love to see what the European beatdown entails, but you know, it seems like that's when he fights pretty often. And so, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what he brings to the table here and if he can handle what Ricky Simon kind of brings to the table. Yeah, so I mean, for me, I, 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 it's hard to call this guy a prospect. You know, you kind of just said the names themselves. You know, it's he, he, he does, he does maybe not have as many fights as some of the other guys, but you know, the guy is a veteran, MMA mm -hmm. veteran, if you will. I, I do have to say, like, you know, he beat guys like Divalishi back in the day. Like these guys are all becoming big prospects now. Like he lost to Rob Font. Rob Font's amazing comeback against Marlon Marais mm -hmm. was no joke. You know, the loss against Faber was probably the biggest setback, but I think. When you, when you really look at the caliber of fighters that he's taken on, um, this is an interesting fight because when you look at uh, Piero, Pierello, he's, he's, you know, kind of that classic European striker. We're seeing a few of them come into the UFC a bit more. 
you know, our boy Giga has shown a lot of good ground defense. Like he's been able to grapple pretty well with the guys they've put in front of him so far. I think that might be something he's going to prove later in his fights. But again, Yubia Tupuria, same thing. Beautiful grappler, was able to kind of expose that with a beautiful guy like, you know, Yusuf Zalal. So we're kind of looking at guys, seeing if they can bring that all around MMA game to the North American crowd, you know? And I think this is another example of that. This is a tough fight for him. I think he's fighting a guy who's taken on the best UFC has to offer in this weight class. So that's where I just think in terms of, you know, UFC, you know, debut against a guy like this, tough, 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 tough call. Yeah, this is, this is going to be a tough one for sure. Mm -hmm. Where do you see the line landing on this one? Yeah, like nine nine fights in five years, seven and two record. I got to give Simone the favorite. I'm hoping it's not an astronomical line because, you know, I just didn't put it that high, but I, I'm going to go with the final answer of minus 250. Uh, so 100 basis points higher. He did open at a minus 350 favorite. Yeah, these guys are, yeah, these guys are, these guys are just rolling. <laughs> I don't disagree with that line at all. Yeah, in fact, they're, they're, there's that's some huge favorites in this one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so he's a minus it. 334 currently, plus 250 wow. on Pirello here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's yeah that that kind of lines up with the analysis there i just think if this fight goes to the ground it's party done i believe yeah uh, honestly in terms of the big favorites on this card this one probably makes me feel you know the most confident in for sure <laughs> all right and so up next we got a fight that we believe is kicking off the main card but you know these sources are all kinds of crazy so we're going based off the ufc website and, you know, that currently has Tyson Nam and Matt Schnell kicking off the main card here. So, you know, Tyson Nam, we've mentioned him a few times in this card already today, but, you know, he comes in at 37 years old, rocking the 2011 and one record. He did make his UFC debut back in 2019, so very late in his career, uh, with consecutive losses to Sergio Pettis and to your son, Kaikara France here. Uh, and then, you know, he did bounce back in 2020 with back-to-back -back wins against Adeshev and against Jerome Rivera in September, both by KO. So very strong showing for Tyson in 2020. On the flip side, we got Matt Schnell here rocking that 14 and five record. He lost his ultimate fighter finale to Rob Font, who again, we've mentioned a few times today. So very credible fight there. Uh, since then, you know, he's gone four and two in the UFC. He does have notable wins against Luis Smoko, who we also mentioned today, and Espinoza. So, you know, very credible uh, fight here for sure. He recently did lose to Pantoja in the first round in 2020. So he'll be looking uh, to bounce back from that one. Going to be a tight one for sure. What do you see here, man? Yeah, so we get we get to finally see these guys who are kind of making a mini resurgence in their careers do battle. You know, they were scheduled once in September and I think once in December again. So it really is a, a fight that's been, you know, mini Tony Ferguson, Khabib, if you will. But uh, I, I think it's a great it's a great opportunity for both guys, right? Tyson Am was able to d display his striking against uh, uh, an up and coming prospect in Jerome Rivera, who we spoke about earlier. So uh, I think there's a lot of opportunity there. Matt Schnell, another alumni from from a huge tough season that I personally enjoyed, the one that was based around flyweights um, to get a title shot towards the end. It was actually you know Tim Elliott, the classic legend, who ended up getting that. Uh, <laughs> title shot so that was a great fight too so it was one of those things that put some flyweights back on the map to get the fight uh to, to get the division kind of uh you know fluctuate with a bit more fighters and i think that's where kaya car france kind of got a good name and, and it was it was a nice little resurgence for for all of those lower classes and so i think this is another example of that right we're gonna see if both guys can mix it up obviously matt chanel's chin that's something that's very questionable and, and tyson m is going to test it but there's areas to this fight where I think both guys have an opportunity to win. And it makes me really question, you know, who, 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 who's going to make the mistake and who's going to kind of finally put that, put that nice streak together if they can in the next little bit here. But it's a tough one to call. Both guys are just, it's just true, true vets of the sport and, you know, UFC classics, if you will. Yeah, for sure. This one's going to be a tight one for sure. You know, are you leaning on, on either side in terms of a favorite here? Yeah, so like the thing for me is like uh, I'm looking at the losses with Kai Car France and Sergio Pettis, and and those were also when both of those guys were fairly young and on the come up. And you know, Matt Schnell's been away for a while, but we've also seen him fight pretty good guys, and even his losses. You know, we talked about some of the some of the names, and so so I want to throw him a bone here. Yeah, I think he put together a pretty good streak. I think Pantoja is a monster. I think he's one of my, you know, underrated fighters that anytime he's fighting, I make sure I watch that fight because every fight he's in, it's very exciting. 100%. 
And to be honest, he, he's a tough fight for anybody. The Brandon Moreno fights are, are a great example. So, I mean, I, yeah. I, I really have to lean Matt Schnell, and I'm going with the line of minus 125. All right, so Tyson Nam is actually the favorite, and it's mm-hmm. at minus 138. So, you know, okay. still right in that pick em range. It's, mm-hmm. it's a very close one to call. The live sure. line is still minus 138, so plus 110 on Matt Schnell there. What's the under in that? Do we have an op- Do we have uh, access to that information? No, not, none of those are out yet. No, none we're, of those are out. We're definitely going to keep an eye on the under in that fight. I think there's an opportunity for both guys to kind of, even in the three-round fight, find a way to get that win. You know, even if they get tired, they seem to have the energy to maybe push through. And I think shins are chins, right? We we can see if that comes into play mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. So stay tuned for that one, and uh, it's it's going to be a tight one for sure. No question. So next up, we have a nice featherweight bout here. We got a nice young prospect in Leron Murphy taking on more of a vet in Douglas Andrade. Andrade? Andrade? Andrade. Andrade. Douglas Andrade, yes. All right. And so, you know, we got Leron Leron Murphy on one side. He sports a 9-0-1 record in the UFC's 1-0-1. You know, he did win his first UFC fight back in July, knocking out Ricardo Ramos after creating a draw in his first one against Zubera Tkugov. Uh, one thing that really stood out to me is the height and reach advantage here for Murphy as well. Curious to see if he can, you know, utilize that. Uh, Douglas on the flip side, he has a nice 26 and three record, looks real sparkling. However, all three of his losses have come in the UFC. So he has a four and three record in the UFC. Uh, ironically, his debut was also against Zubera Tkugov, which was back in 2014, he lost that one. Uh, some of his his two other losses are Rob Font and Peter Yan, which are beasts. So all credible losses in those three losses that he has. Otherwise, you know, he's 26 and 0. So can't can't take anything away from this guy. I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think. And uh, what's interesting to note about Douglas as well is that he beat Marlon Rivera back in 2018. So, you know, that's someone we've seen climb through the ranks real quick as well. Yeah, so for me, I really love the fact that, you know, we're seeing a lot of underrated fights come up in this card. We just talked about one, and I think this is another beautiful one. First of all, can we talk about how Mavstar Evolov was supposed to fight Douglas Del Silva Andrade as well? And that fight didn't happen because <laughs> Mavstar, uh, well, Andrade had to sh- uh, withdraw. Don't nobody want that Mavstar smoke, bro. <laughs> no, nobody. Don't nobody want that smoke, bro. Wow. This man can't buy a fight, dog. Crazy. Shout out to fucking Mavstar Evloev. Just running things right now. But in any case, you brought up a lot of the kind of things that I wanted to talk about, right? Like, let's talk about a little bit of MMA math here, right? Tukugov has such a role to play in this fight, right? Murphy, <laughs> Murphy draw. And, and the first person to ever beat him, beat uh, Douglas Ozovic Zubera Tugugov. So this is such an interesting fight, right? Like this man should, uh, you know, maybe he's, he needs to be involved in some kind of a handicap match here or even a triple threat, <laughs> who knows? But, you know, I, I think Murphy went into his original fight highly underrated. Ricardo Ramos was a massive, massive, massive prospect. The guy had good uh, submission skills. The kicks were everything people were talking about. And honestly, I don't think Leon Murphy was even phased. He was able to he was able to use the footwork that he had as a boxer, seemed to be the better boxer overall, was able to utilize that footwork, land some of his own shots. And frankly, the ground did not seem to be a problem. He got in trouble early in the first, but you know, resilience proved proved big for him. He got out of that, got back to the feet, and from that moment on, he kind of dictated most of the fight. There was a moment where maybe he kind of gave up his back a bit, but you know what? I loved everything I saw from him. The resilience in the places where you thought he was going to be the absolute worst. I mean, the places where you thought he was going to be good, he was really good. And like when you flip to the other side, it's like Douglas Silva and Drudge, you know, we're seeing a lot of guys that are coming out that were kind of part like Santiago Ponzinibbio is a guy that comes to mind. These fighters that lost to only elite men's back when they were mm-hmm. kind of active fighters that are now making a return and you know, this is an interesting, interesting fight because I think Andrade is, you know, even at this point, the real deal. But, you know, we don't even know what caliber of fighter Murphy's going to have to stumble on. That's my biggest thing here. I think Andrade is going to have the skills all over the place. But, you know, when you think about it, it goes on to beat Cody Gibson and Henry Briones, loses to Rob Font, beats Marlon Vera, who's now becoming one of the big names in the sport. It's, it's a crazy thing to think about, you know? 
I, I think it's going to be a real tough one to call, man. There's a lot of credibility behind Douglas for sure. Uh, where, where do you see the line on this one? It's so hard, man. It's like Hart wants to give Murphy a little bit of an edge based on what we saw because I think in terms of current fighter, he seems to be what we're looking for. But the Sivan Draj, man, I just think he is the real deal. Not too old. And I think a lot of older guys are finding a way to make a name for themselves even this 2020, 2021 um, era of UFC and so I want to give the edge to Andrade and I want to say it's a line of minus 130. Oh man I was really you know we're long overdue for a bell here I was really yeah, hoping yeah, to get yeah. a bell here but uh, yeah Murphy is a minus 275 favorite. Yo, honestly I, I see the thing with me man is I see all of these lines making sense none of these lines are surprising me I gotta say most of my lines took a lot of just where do I see some of these experienced uh, fighters playing into, you know, these guys who, who are getting big name fights, in my opinion? You know, I, I don't think mm -hmm. anyone needs to sleep on Josh. So I got to say, man, of all of the fights you've told me so far, of every single one, this one seems to be the ultimate, uh, well, sprinkle, sprinkle. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I just oh, absolutely. I, this one, this one definitely just screams at me because I just, I can't, I'm a little shocked by that line. Uh, Andrade for, for a plus 200 or, or worse to me is very shocking. I'm actually, yeah, that, plus, a plus 225, we got to consider it. Officially the most shocking line for me, I will say. Yeah. I wasn't shocked by any line. I'm not shocked by any favorite, but overall, this is by far the most shocking line for me. Yeah, even when doing my analysis, it seemed a little stretched to be 275 on this side. So stay mm -hmm. tuned, but we might be sprinkling on Mr. Andrade here. <laughs> so, you know, they always say don't judge a book by its cover. And I believe that to the fullest as well. We but I'm, I'm not going to lie. Opening their topology page, I was like, mm, I think I could accurately guess the line here. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just playing, man. I'm just playing. Going going through this fight and actually doing some analysis, Roxanne is a beast, an actual beast. And I'm not taking anything away from her. She's actually, you know, surprisingly been in the fight game since 2003, which I had no idea. Uh, she made it to two Ultimate Fighter finales, I believe. Uh, and she won one of them. She holds a 3-3 three and three record in the UFC. And man, all of them are credible fights from what I saw. Her losses are, you know, Lauren Murphy, Jennifer Maya, and Sajara Eubanks people who we're very familiar with within the last year. And even her wins are even more credible. She has the, the younger Shevchenko sister. She has Andrea Lee. So you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what she brings next Wednesday. On the flip side, we have Vivian, who made her UFC debut back in 2019, and she's gone three and one since. We saw her take on Montana De La Rosa back in February, and she looked quite dominant in that unanimous victory. So, you know, I, I think this is going to be a, a lot better of a fight than has kind of been coined. What, what do you kind of see here? Yeah, so just a quick little recap there. So she participated in one <laughs> Ultimate Fighter, and uh, the one that she the, the, she actually ended up fighting on a card that was for a championship, one of those classic back-to-back uh, -back cards. So she ended up fighting on the card for the Ultimate Fighter 28 and won that fight against Barb Honchek, just to kind of touch back on that. But classic case of just overall, you know, old school old school fighter the, the record shows it you know, she's a part-time teacher she loves the fight game <laughs> we've seen enough tape on her the big thing i want to say is the last finish was on the ultimate fighter against jessica Rakosi, a canadian who disappeared after going to an oh, oh and two after tough so i mean she's tough she can fight anywhere and she usually beats up these striking prospects man like i've seen a few of these fights and you know we go back to andrea lee shout out to jillian robertson this is the girl that jillian robertson wants to get a fight back with but andrea lee you know basically kind of got tired by the third round the combos weren't landing as much as the coaches wanted they were kind of yelling for that towards the end of the second just to land a bit more maybe even steal the rounds if she could um without maybe knocking out because like i don't think that was going to happen and they knew that too but you know, just being able to mix it up, got Roxanne that win. She was able to take it, take it to the ground. Um, there were some repulses, and the ground game was good. I mean, overall, it's just she's always a tough fight. And I think if you're not ready for just that overpowering ground game that she kind of has, um, and be able to kind of dictate some pace there, she she just takes over. Um, she's able to eat those punches, right? And, and that's the thing. If she's able to eat them, not really getting beat up, that's something you got to worry about. The one thing on Arujo's side is when you think about how she looked in the third round against Montana De La Rosa, I really liked what she looked like. You know, Montana De La Rosa was getting beat up, 
if you rewatch that fight, the commentators were kind of talking about how, you know, she has a beat up nose, like this is something normal that's happening. But like, you know, let's be real, in that third round, the punches were landing. Like I know Montana Rosa was was making a few spurts, like she had a good like few spurts there where she she looked good. But at the end of the day, you know, Rujo really took it to her and that third round kind of separates her and Andrea Lee. And I think that if he's able to kind of keep that pace in her in her own back pocket and avoid those takedowns a bit more and because once you're fighting out of those when you're up against the fence when you're in those clinches i mean that's where you lose the energy right and mm -hmm. so as a striker if you're, if you're not able to you know keep that energy going all three rounds you're, you're gonna lose that crispness you're gonna lose the technical aspects of it those combos aren't gonna be happening as much you're not gonna be able to throw them right and i think in her case like that's gonna be a big part of it so you know two canceled bounce but against a fairly big name in jennifer mai who just got a title shot one of the biggest lines we've seen to date you know first time travels <laughs> restriction second time she had COVID. so you know she's she's had a few fights lined up like she's she's she's, she's supposed to be taking on some pretty big names. So I, I still do like her as a favorite here, but I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that in a second here. Yeah. Let, I mean, let's segue right into it. How big boom, of a boom, favorite boom. do you see here? <laughs> yeah. So like, that's the thing, right? So Roxanne for me, like the, this, this whole card is screaming, you know, figure out who, who the dogs are and start rolling. Right. Because this is a fight where we, we, we do see, you know, Roxanne probably falling in another dog category against a good striking prospect, but Let's go, Arujo. Closer to another pickup, maybe a minus 120, minus 115. I have written minus 110. Final call, minus 115. Let's say that. How about, how about uh, minus 334? Wow. No respect, man. No, no respect. No, that, that's what I, you know, diving deeper into this, I'm like, man, maybe they set the odds based on these topology pictures themselves because this is no respect to Roxanne here. Yeah, so I mean, here's the thing, right? Like, we we really do kind of have to look more into the Arujo grappling. Then, like, that's really what it comes down to, right? When you look mm -hmm. at the pure strikers, you know, Roxanne has really good experience against them, and I think we see some defense from uh, from Arujo. But at the same time, it's like she she really does enjoy keeping the fight standing. And if if those if those takedowns do come 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 Roxanne's way, and she's able to get that ground and pound going, I mean, who knows? We could be seeing an upset. But again. Just based on that line and based on what we're saying, this isn't one of those, you know, guy fights where we have that huge puncher's chance availability and all that kind of stuff. Like this is a, mm -hmm. this is a very, this is a very interesting line to, to to kind of watch movement on and see what happens. But, I mean, wow, good on Arujo for being a big big fighter like that going into this main card. But um, I gotta say, I thought Raxanne kind of earned her earned her keep a little bit in that last fight, and I thought the lines would reflect that. So I gave her some bump here, but unfortunately, I thought it's a lot worse. So what's the final line we're looking at for Roxanne? Yeah, so the for Roxanne, it is a plus 250. Okay, cool. Okay, so, you know, I, I was actually surprised at how large this line was as well. And, you know, the one thing that I kind of want to look out for, it's not out there yet, but I could see this fight going the distance for sure. Yep, so, agreed. depending on what odds we can get there, that's something I would look into for sure. Mm -hmm. Because in terms of punching power, I mean, I do see Roxanne being able to take some punches here. Uh, Andrea Lee mm -hmm. had some good punches land. You know, that fight was relatively close, I think, in some people's opinion. But at the end of the day, the scorecards did speak volumes. And I think, you know, Roxanne earned that big time. For sure. All right, so next up on the main card, we got a nice light heavyweight bout. Uh, we got Ike Villanueva on one side and Vinicius Moreira on the other. And damn, that's a cool ass name. You know? It's a great name. Yeah, it's a great name. So, you know, on the left side, we got Ike Villanueva here. He comes in with a 16 and 11 record. He is 0-2 in the UFC and is looking for his first win. He had two losses in 2020, Chase Sherman and Jordan Wright, the latter being stopped due to a doctor stoppage with a cut. So, you know, I, I'm sure he's looking for a little bit of redemption there. Uh, on the flip side, we have Vinicius. We mentioned cool last name here. Uh, this guy comes in with a 9-4 record, but is also 0-3 in the UFC. So both these guys will be looking for their first UFC win here. Uh, he did win the Dana White Contender Series. And uh, all of his losses came back in 2019. They were against uh, Alonzo Minifield, Eric Anders, and Paul Craig. So, you know, this is going to be a tough one to call. Do you see an edge here? What, what do you see breaking down in this fight? So, yeah, so the way I see this right now, it, you know, Ike, Isaac Villanueva, he's, he's kind of, to me, like a a fan favorite if you really really follow fights you know i like the way he approaches the fight game you know he's not the most in shape light heavyweight you know for that for that you know division but at the same time i think i think he brings a good he brings a good he 
you know, good attitude, good, good, good overall skill, if you will. And I think this is a fight that actually goes very much into his game. Um, let's be real. You know, Marrera is 100% a grappling fighter. I think his chin is extremely questionable. He's shown that in, you know, most of his UFC fights, as we talked about here. So I don't want to dabble too much in that because I think he kind of laid it out there right there. You know, Eric Anders finished him really beautifully uh, with some good strikes. And, and you know, I think that that's pretty much what we've seen from him. And Villanueva is a pretty good boxer, man. I think that's where you're going to see him try to keep the fight, uh, avoid being taken down. Uh, you know, what's funny is I wonder if he wants to, like, throw some, like, slow him down and stuff. But really, I would even avoid throwing any low kicks or anything like that just to avoid maybe getting caught and getting taken down because I really do think Villanueva has a bit of an advantage here when it comes to the striking because we've seen, you know, Alonzo Menafield and Eric Anders both capitalize big time off of, you know, taking the time, pushing the pace, landing the right shots. And, you know, this guy does tend to give you the right openings, especially as he gets his back to the fence and tries to maneuver his way out of there. Uh, I think he's the kind of guy that does have to look more for the, you know, you know, switching switching uh, gears and, and moving moving his feet and just trying to, you know, you got to change levels as much as you possibly can when you're, when you're that kind of a fighter. But mm -hmm. I think when you, when you don't have the striking that kind of lines up with the guys you're fighting, it... it plays poorly into your into your game plan so i, I still do think villanova despite maybe not being an, an eric anders if you will i still think he has that striking advantage you know in this fight mm -hmm. yeah and so you know i think we're a little long overdue for a bell here so hopefully we can nail it on this one but uh who, who's the favorite here my man I mean, you know, it's funny. It's like, I'm not, I feel, I feel like you feel worse for us than I do. I, I think, you know, we, we did well enough on that last card that I'm just kind of enjoying, like, hearing some, like, I've never been so kind of, wow, hear these, hear these lines. These are really throwing me off a little bit, but uh, <laughs> Villanova is definitely the favorite. At least I'm not off with favorites, even some of the close fights, you know? That's all right. Oh, wait, Tyson Nam, my apologies. Uh, Villanova, uh, I'm going to go with minus, minus 135 as the favorite here. Ooh, give me that bell, yo. I'm gonna play it twice because I got only one. I'm gonna play it twice because I got only one. Hey man, we still got two fights left here, yo. I got faith, man. He's actually a minus one thirty-eight favorite, so you just nailed it within three basis points. I mean, when he gets it, he gets it, folks. What can I say? Yeah, so my, minus 138 on Villanueva. Line has not moved. It's still right at minus 138 here. See an advantage either way? Yo, honestly, Pies, I, I can't help but really want to want to take that line big time, honestly. Yeah, I figured yeah. that would be the case. I figured that would be the case. Yeah, I, th I, think he's been, I think he's been in some tough enough fights there. Like I said, Eric Anders, Menafield, very powerful strikers. You know, they have that, that athletic aspect to their game and everything. They're very powerful guys. It's just that the openings to me, I've seen enough smarts from Villanueva that if he can avoid getting tired, if he can keep the fight standing, it's, it's, it's his fight to lose. It's just the openings are there for a good striker to take advantage. But if the fight goes standing, if the fight goes to the ground, we see the lines right now, you know? Obviously, he's not a minus 200 or higher favorite. For sure. A lot of value on Ike here, for sure. I don't see a snare where we don't take him. So you can lock that in as well. So that brings us to our co-main event here. A nice welterweight bout between a couple of guys trying to crack that top 10. Actually really excited about this one. On one hand, we got Warley Alves here. On the other hand, we got Munir Laziz. Really excited about this one. So, you know, we got Warley making his return to the ring in 2021. We actually didn't see him fight in 2020. And his last loss was back in 2019 against Randy Brown. He sports that 13 and four record. But if you dive a little deeper, man, those four losses, they're extremely credible. Apart from Brown, we got James Krause, we got Kamaru Usman, and we got Brian Barberena. So, you know, no joke right there. He's going to be someone, you know, really looking forward to bouncing back in this one. On the flip side, we got Munir, who's a nice high-flying prospect. He made his debut back in July of last year, took out al Hassan in unanimous decision, and he rocks that 10-1 record. Uh, he's had some very credible wins in the UAE, and he should feel very at home for this one. Um, I'm, I'm pumped about this one. What do you got here, man? Yeah, so like, let's talk about the vet first, right? Where are the Alves? I remember him making a big name for himself on Tough Brazil 3. I mean, that was an era where some big guys, Antonio Carlos Jr. was a big one as well, a, a personal favorite of mine as he kind of came up through the UFC ranks. But, you know, let's talk about a bit of that MMA math again. You mentioned a lot of those fights, but where are the Alves beat Alan Joben, Norton Taleb, Colby Covington, 
before losing to Brian Barberina and Kamaru Usman. Brian Barberina, can we talk about Randy Orton from the UFC from from the WWE? WWE, yeah, yeah. What about him? Legend killer. Remember that back in the day, he was considered the legend killer, right? Yeah. Well, this is the same thing. Sage Northcutt, who beat him? Brian Barberina. Fucking Warley Alves, who beat him? Brian Barberina. I don't think Brian Barberina gets enough credit for just being the UFC no. legend killer. But you know what? <laughs> Let's move on from him and go right into what I think is probably not a sumer energy prospect, you know, personal favorite for me, but pretty high up there. That that debut against Al-Hassan that you brought up, I mean, let's talk about for a second. Going into it, huge underdog, was considered someone that was going to probably get knocked out fairly early, just, just showed us everything about his game. He was able to strike at all three levels. He hit the legs, he hit the body, he hit the head. He he showed us everything. He was four of four when it came to takedowns. And you know what? He was able to tire the man out. He was able to showcase all of his skills against the better UFC fighter. And frankly, you can't not just applaud that showing and what should have been a loss probably by finish against uh, some UFC pundits. Mm -hmm. For sure. So yeah, you know, great breakdown there. That Al-Hassan victory, that, that was very telling. And I think it was a surprise to all of us for sure. Really showed the level of prospect that Munir really is. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to this co-main event. Where do you see the line landing here? Let's get you another bell here. What, what do you got here? Yeah, so for me, it's like these guys have just been around for a while. So I took a little bit of recency into consideration as well. So like Worley, in that fight you mentioned about Randy Brown, like I want to bring this up when we talked about the Lions, right? He looked tired in this new age uh, UFC teams like guys from the old school days are just not able to keep up with where the fight seems to go up and down. All of a sudden you get tired, you know, you catch a kick, you go down to the ground, but then you get caught in, you know, a submission for, for purely sluggish mm -hmm. reasons. So those are tough fight fighters to kind of put your money on, you know, because yeah, you might go yeah, into something. For sure. Yeah, well, because you're kind of thinking based on skill, this guy might have what it takes. But, you know, after a round and a half of, of fighting a certain style, whether it's on the ground, whether it's too many strikes thrown, whether it's, you know, just burning yourself out with adrenaline, you just kind of lose that edge. And and it's unfortunate because we kind of see him do that against Randy Brown, which which got him that big L. And, you know, let's talk about the loss on the Lazee side. You know, it, this is such a close fight for me because Elder Alderov is a brave FC champion who's set to defend his belt against Leonardo Mafra, who's an MMA veteran as well. Shout out to our boy, Shorty Torres. If you haven't checked out the interview, Paisan, pitch that interview one quick time. Yeah, we actually had the pleasure of sitting down with this man yesterday. Jeez, what a beauty he is, man. It was like talking to one of our old friends here. So that was a real treat. Make sure you check it out. It'll be on YouTube in one of the next few days. And that was, what a pleasure it was chatting with that guy, man. With that said, Luzzy's minus 180. Give me a bell, bro. Oh, you got the bell, man. You got Let's the bell. go, baby. Let's go, baby. Let's go, baby. <laughs> so he actually opened at a minus 200 favorite. And if I look now, he's already moved to minus 220. I could see that just continuing to grow. Um, Pais, do, would you would you consider locking in right now as we record a Villanueva uh, parlay with uh, Munio Aziz to get the juices flowing? You know, I would incorporate something else with Munir because I like taking Villanueva at minus 138 straight. There's oh, God, this guy doesn't want to see that fussy. He never does. I always pitch these on the side. He's, anything that's below <laughs> minus 150, he's like, no, I can take it straight up. Why Why? Why would I throw that in the parlay when I can take it straight up, man? Because you, we're winning a board. We're winning a board. We do it all the time. We do it all the time. He doesn't want to tell you guys, but we do it all the time. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, a, a rules are rules. Energy. Rules are rules. Go check out our betting videos right now. Paisan lays them all out for you right there. If you want to learn how to kind of just get your feet wet, all this UFC betting stuff, you know, that's a great place to start. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, a Munir Laziz and Sumaderji prospect parlay. Now you're speaking my language. Now I'm getting something at minus 124. That should be a minus 200. This man's <laughs> talking about, you know, Christmas coming late and shit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's pressure, though. Throwing a new Mergomedov right in there. <laughs> Worst part is that guy doesn't even juice your odds up anything, man. Not <laughs> Minus 500. It's like, yeah, just for hard, let me throw in a third fight for no reason. For no reason. No reason at all, folks. <laughs> but you know we're probably going to do it. So. <laughs> it boosted up to a plus 118. That's enticing, man. There you go. Horses mouth himself. <laughs> All right, and that brings us to our main event of Fight Island 8. We have a couple of nice dudes looking to climb up into the top contendership. 
in that uh, welterweight division here. So first up, we got Michael Chiesa taking on Neil Magny here. So, you know, these two are some underrated beasts after diving a little bit more into them. Man, so Chiesa comes in, 16-4 and four record. He's been in the UFC since 2012 after winning the Ultimate Fighter 15. Uh, he's won three in a row, man. And look at those names that he's beat. We have Carlos Condit. We got our boy, Diego Sanchez. And most recently, we got Dos Anjos back in January of 2020, who headlined one of the main cards in 2020 as well. So, you know, these are no jokes here. On the flip side, Neil Magny, man, a beast in his own right as well. He has an illustrious UFC career dating back to 2013. Big wins under his belt. Also beat Carlos Condit. Jin Yang Lee, who we're seeing, you know, this Saturday. Uh, Robbie Lawler back in August of 2020. You know, this is such an underrated main event for a Wednesday night here. Yeah, so I mean, it, I mean, the first thing I want, like Michael Keza is, is definitely <laughs> uh, looking pretty, pretty good since his losses. And I mean, I want to talk about, you know, I love my boy Pies. You know, he's doing so well with all these names and with learning all these random fighters and getting so good with prelims. But like, you know, he loves he loves his names. And the way he introduced <laughs> that Carlos Condit and Diego Sanchez win is beautiful for the couch. But I gotta say, like, you know, maybe that's more of a hardcore notion. You know, I love the guys, but that was a little bit later in the career. But I will say, I mm -hmm. think that finally gave him the confidence to really kind of start stringing those wins together and working more and more on his game. Because the win against Rafael Adonis, we saw a lot of good things from him, right? The work against the fence, the clinch work, the ability to stick to him and really tire him out. We started seeing, you know, that Kiza Gastic really playing to his favor because I think sometimes we saw him, you know, give up bad positions or maybe make the wrong mistake. Or it was a lot of, you know, since that Kevin Lee fight, I just felt like, you know, Anthony Pettis got away with a good win there too. Not got away, but he, he came away with a win there. But, you know, that Kevin Lee fight kind of had him stumble a little bit. You know, after that Pettis fight, we really saw Michael Chiesa come back to being, you know, that big, not prospect, now contender, looking at, you know, a guy like Neil Magny across from him. Because let's talk about Magny. We're going to watch two guys go at it for a long time. I, I'd be shocked if punches can land real early. Kudos to either or man if that's something that happens because I think Magny's got, you know, one of the best gas tanks you'll see at that weight class. And, and he's shown it many times. And we talk about guys making comebacks. The loss of Santiago Ponzinibbio. I mean, he's come back really strong. I mean, no one's really talking about his 2020, but that 3-0 that he put together in 2020 is, is one of the best we've seen, right? And I mean, look back in, looking back at some of his only losses via submission, elite fighters, Damian Maya, Sergio Marias, when, you know, Sergio Marias more on the come up and Magnum was still getting his feet wet. Dos Anjos, you know, the, these are big big submission type fighters and mm -hmm. i think magny's really really proven that you know he, he deserves to dance with the sharks and i think me, michael case has earned that shot too with that win over um you know uh Desanos. he's put a bit of time into his commentary uh time uh you know deals and stuff like that so i think it's time that you know we see what he can do and that time off i think for almost a year now is really going to help him yeah this is going to be a real tough one to, to call man i see this going back and forth throughout the fight Especially for a five-round fight, I, I I think it can go either way. Who do you see as the favorite here? Mm -hmm. And it's funny, right? We kind of I kind of touch a little bit more on on the Magni three and zero record. You touched on the Kiesa record, right? And you'd have to give uh, Magni a bit more of credit, right? Because the Jingling Liang, the Anthony Rocco Martin, and the Robbie Lawler uh, mm -hmm. wins are kind of more credible because Jingling Liang is an up-and-coming UFC prospect who, if he beat Magni, was on the verge of, of probably big things. And the same yeah. can be said for Anthony Rocco Martin. Like, that was the guy who was winning the fights he was supposed to win. And so Robbie Lawler, you know, previous title challenger, kind of falls into a much better caliber of some of the, you know, UFC legends we're talking about. So, you know, it's tough to go against Neil Magny right now. And I think a lot of the hype is around him, too, despite Mc Chiesa getting some of that as well. I think you got to give some of the hype to Magny as well. I, I don't think it's going to be anything like a minus 300 line. I think that's borderline impossible. Um, mm -hmm. I, I do think that you're going to see Magny come in at, if I want to play it smart, I know he's the favorite. Do I think he can be minus 250? I I do, but I don't think it can be that bad. So I'm going to go with minus 175, Neil Magny. Oh, what a way to finish, man. Three for three on the belt. I'll give you a round of applause for that one for sure. Close my eyes. He's actually... He's actually a minus 138 favorite. So falls right in the realm of what you were thinking. Mm -hmm. And, it, you know, it's going to be a tough one to call. This is a very, very close fight. 
all about game plan, man. I think I think Magni can be the better striker. I think that we'll see Gas Tank for five rounds, but I think Magni should have the edge. I can't write out Kizza by any means, but I think Magni should have the edge for sure. Um, and that's where, like, if it goes to the ground, I mean, I think Magni's really good at getting himself back up. He himself is really good from the top position, but, you know, Chiesa is, is a great ground fighter. He prides himself on his uh, Sig Jitsu, right? So, like, let's see what he can do. Uh, it's, he's going to get opportunities if he can cling to him the way he did at Dos Anjos. You know, that's where you're going to kind of see that dog come out of it. But, again, I think it's going to be a bit of a different beast trying to cling to Neil Magni without getting him peppered a bit more, without seeing him get as tired as I think Dos Anjos did, especially from those body shots. I think uh, Magni's going to be able to put together a bit more of a, of a game plan when it comes to defending that. Yeah, and decent value on Magni as well. You know me, right? Anything less than minus 150 is a pick of him. So, you know, mm -hmm. if I'm getting that value on a dude who does have the edge, I like it. So mm -hmm. kind of stay tuned for that one. That wraps up UFC Fight Island 8. You know, make sure you hit that subscribe, hit that bell button. All our information's below, Instagram, Twitter. Give us a follow, like, subscribe, shoot us comments whatever you need. Anything else you want to plug here, Suraj? I mean, plenty of dogs on this card, so it might not be as exciting as some of the picks that we released for the upcoming card on Saturday, but keep an eye out. This card is a lot of fun, fun, fun fights. Forget the gambling stuff. This is a very fun card to watch. You got two contenders, you know, headlining, and like Pi said, like, follow. We got plenty of MMA stuff coming out, and as always, man, it's always a pleasure, man. Love doing this shit with you. Can't wait to keep going. Likewise, brother. And yeah, like you said, man, we get this on a Wednesday. It's a real treat. We're going to have to sacrifice watching the challenge that night. But, uh, you know, we get a nice UFC treat on a Wednesday. So enjoy it. And yeah, always a pleasure, brother. My man, take it easy. Peace. Later.